Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to another episode of The Same Old Dolphin Show. I am Aaron the Brain, and welcome to another special episode of The Same Old Dolphin Show, where I will be breaking down two That's right, two of the Miami Dolphins' newest additions, two players drafted in this year's NFL draft. Today, I'm going to be looking at defensive tackle slash defensive end Raekwon Davis, who the Dolphins took in the second round. And I will also be circling back to the first round and looking at offensive tackle Austin Jackson out of USC. So if you, well, before we get into this, I'll get the plugs out of the way. Uh, make sure that you are checking out all of the great stuff at dolphinstalk.com. We are proud to be featured on the front page of dolphinstalk.com and we're proud to be part of the dolphinstalk.com podcast network. Also, you can follow me at Aaron the Brain. You could follow Josh at Amplified to Rock. And you could follow the show on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. You can also give us a follow on Instagram at Same Old Dolphins. And you could check out our Facebook page, uh, which is facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins Show. So if you tuned into the last show I did, which was where I, uh, basically broke down all of the tape from Tua Tungo Violoa's college career. I'm going to be doing basically the same thing with today's players, which are, again, Raekwon Davis of Alabama and Austin Jackson out of USC. Now, the reason I kind of jumped out of order uh, is because since I was looking at all of that Tua tape anyway, I was also simultaneously watching the other side of the ball and following Raekwon Davis seemed the most efficient way to do it. And now that I've gotten that out of the way, I circled back and I watched all of the tape, at least for 2019 on Austin Jackson. I finished that tape and I've already begun working on the tape for Noah Igbenogany. The next episode will be uh, me breaking down his tape as well as second round tackle slash guard Robert Hunt and his tape from Louisiana Lafayette. Now, what I'll say is it was a lot easier to find Alabama tape <laughs> than it was USC, USC tape and uh, Auburn tape, at least of defensive backs when it comes to Auburn. And you, you we'll see how it goes when it comes to, to Robert Hunt. But I did a pretty good job of finding just about every snap from Austin Jackson's 2019 season. And I'll get into him in a second, but we'll start with Raekwon Davis. So in watching Raekwon Davis's film now, because I went the extra mile on Tua and I watched all of his 2018 tape, including the 2018 national championship game, which is actually the culmination of the 2017 season. I actually watched a lot of Raekwon Davis, a lot more of Raekwon Davis than I will of any of the other prospects going forward. So I watched a lot on Raekwon Davis. I watched all of 2018, all of 2019, and again, that 2018 National Championship game. The first thing that jumps out with Raekwon Davis is just his sheer size. I mean, this guy is a mountain of a man at 6'6", 3'11". 
And no matter where he was used on the defensive line, and he was used basically all over that defensive line, the next thing that really jumps out is how strong he is, how strong he is and sturdy he is at the point of attack. And what you never see when he's being blocked by one guy, and really you rarely see it even when he's double teamed, is you never see this guy moved off of his spot. And that is key to what the Dolphins are looking for in a defensive lineman. Again, uh, we've moved away from that wide nine, get after the quarterback with your D-line strategy, uh, technique. What we're looking for is we're looking for guys that can two-gap, that can hold their point of attack, shed the block, and then make the tackle. And the biggest part of that is just being able to hold your own and not get pushed off of your spot. And that's where Raekwon Davis, I felt, was at his best. Now, in the 2018 tape, he was playing next to Quinn and Williams, and Quinn and Williams often would be the guy that would be at the nose, or sometimes they would bring in another guy and play him at the nose, but Raekwon Davis did not play very much on the nose right over center in that year, which would be his junior year. He mainly played either the five technique in a three-man defensive line where he was lined up right right over the tackle or just outside the outside edge of the tackle as meant to bent the edge, or he would play right over the tackle in the four technique, uh, occasionally four-eye, but really mostly in that four or four-eye technique. And then on even fronts, he would play a lot of the two-eye or one technique uh, where he's basically right on the inside shoulder of the guard and center in those gaps. The A-gap, as you would call it. Now, the thing that that showed showed up to me was that he was not... He, he doesn't really jump off the screen when you're watching him. Now, I, I know that supposedly he had this great sophomore season where he kind of burst on the scene in 2017, and I didn't watch much of that tape. I watched just the the national championship game of that tape. But if you've got to go back to 2017 to see his prowess as a pass rusher, and it's not because of injury, it's just because it doesn't show up on film in 2018 or 2019, then I think if you're chasing that pass rushing ability, I think that's kind of fool's gold. I think you got to look at what he's done and what he's put on film the last two years and expect that that's what you're going to get out of him. And then if you can get anything more out of him, then it's gravy. But the thing that really showed up to me was that he's really strong, but he's not especially quick or explosive. Uh, he was not a guy that would routinely beat his man and, and get an edge and get after the quarterback. He was mostly a, a space eater, a guy that would occupy his blocker. He would get his arms expand, ex, expanded or extended and then try to shed his blocker and make the tackle. And I thought that he was, he did an adequate job of that, but at sometimes, at some points, it was kind of, it was almost like, just, he was just a step slow or like half a step slow. And what you'd see a lot of is him shedding the block and making, and making the tackle, but just being like half a step slow instead of stopping it for no gain. It's like a two yard gain, which is still a solid play, but it's just not like a special play. And then you have 
the few times that he actually would beat his guy and get after the quarterback, he showed a propensity to not be a very good finisher. And I think this is something that potentially they could work on with him, but you don't know. Is it a, is it a technique thing? Is it a mental thing? Is it, is it a desire thing? Is it a thing where he just doesn't have the motor to go all out and finish? Because what shows up a lot on the tape with Raekwon Davis is him making a solid play, but when he has opportunities to really make a great play, he just misses it. Or his hand finds the opposing player's face mask and it, and it's a 15 yard penalty. And those are the things that will drive you crazy. It drove Nick Saban crazy and it will drive Brian Flores crazy. So there, there are things there that I like and there are things that I don't like. But what I'll say is when he was lined up at defensive end and particularly when he was in that five technique where he's been asked to, to, to be on the outside shoulder of the tackle and, and really bend the edge and and set the edge and really disrupt things in the running game. He was an absolute nightmare for tackles in in the SEC because of his sheer size and strength. And so I I think that's where you're probably going to see him used most in this defense when he was on the inside in those even fronts where he was kind of being asked to to rush the passer a little bit. He saw a lot more double teams, which is true, but he also you're you're facing bigger, stronger offensive linemen. I I feel like in the guards and you're 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 more prone to getting like a chip from from the inside guy when the offensive lineman is playing with small gaps. And he just he was less of a difference maker in that in that regard. However, when he did play on the inside in those even fronts, again, not really getting pushed off the ball. So a great space clogger, just a guy that you're, you're not going to run up the middle against him because he's going to be there and he's going to take up space. And if he's going to occupy two blockers, well, then that's great news for the linebackers behind him. So when you're talking about with the Dolphins, that's, you know, when you're talking about Raekwon McMillan coming in there to, to clean things up in the running game, if you've got Raekwon Davis clean, just taking up blockers, then you're talking about clean lanes for Raekwon Davis to go in and, and make run stuff. So I think that's where he was at his best. He did play a lot more nose, not a lot of nose, but a lot more nose in 2019 after the departure of Quinn and Williams because Quinn and Williams got drafted. And, and again, what you saw is just, you know, a, a guy that wasn't as big a difference maker when playing on the inside of the line, but when you moved him to the outside, he was a he was a tough block for for tackles and guards on the outside. Uh, they just had trouble blocking a guy of that sheer size. And you saw a little. I also thought I did see a little bit more quickness from him in 2019. So I thought he made some improvements there. But in 2019, I I thought what what uh, really showed up on film a lot was him getting close to making those big plays and just missing. So maybe there was something there where after a great sophomore season in 2017, maybe his conditioning wasn't the same in 2018. Maybe he was back to being more of himself in 2019, but just couldn't quite 
make that make those huge plays, those game-changing plays uh, that they were looking for at Alabama. So I thought there was there's good and bad with him as far as where he's going to fit in with this Dolphins defense. Well, this Dolphins defensive line has a lot of competition now. You know you've got Devon Godchild. You know you've got Christian Wilkins. You also went out and he's paid paid big money on Shaq Lawson. They also went out and they got Emmanuel Ogba and... They also drafted Jason Strobridge later in the draft. So there are, well, and they also, they also drafted Curtis Weaver later in the draft. Now I think Weaver is more of an edge. I think they're going to probably, you know, more of a pass rushing edge, whereas Davis more of an interior defensive lineman. But I think the, the idea here with all of these defensive linemen is versatility. I think all of these guys can play multiple positions along the defensive line. And I think what you're going to see most with Raekwon Davis, I think, one, he is going to be your primary backup to to Devon Godshaw in three-man fronts. If we're doing a three-man front and and Devon Godshaw needs, needs a rest, then uh, Raekwon Davis is going to make sense as, as being your your nose in those situations. Now, he might also push Devon Godshaw for the starting position as far as being a nose. And if that's the case, then what you've got is you've got, to me, Raekwon Davis is like a poor man's Christian Wilkins is essentially what it is, is that you could put Christian Wilkins all over the defensive line at any single position, but what you want to do is you want to put him in his best spot. And for Christian Wilkins, I thought his best spot is kind of that four-eye uh, five technique. And I think that's the same thing for, for Raekwon Davis. And so I think what you're going to see is that in if, if we're playing a 3-3-5 defense with the bare front and you're, you want three big run stuffing defensive linemen to, to be your three man front, I think there's nothing more ideal than Raekwon Davis, Devon Godshaw, and Christian Wilkins. But I also think you're going to have times where you're going to see Raekwon Davis at the nose. I think you're going to have times where Raekwon Davis comes out and they're playing Shaq Lawson. I think you're going to have times where you're in a four-man front and you've got basically Christian Wilkins will probably be on the interior as one of those guys and you'll probably see a timeshare between Devon Godshaw and Raekwon Davis. The, the key thing is is that Davis I mean, he will get the opportunity. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to go in there and he's going to be an impact player. That's the hope, obviously, but, uh, this is, he's far from a, from a can't miss prospect, which is why he dropped as far as he did to being a late second round pick. But if he lives up to his potential, I believe the thought is that he's a guy that gets a lot of work and basically adds into the rotation of interior defensive linemen with Devon Godshaw and, and Christian Wilkins and will occasionally get work on the ends when they go with the odd fronts. I think when they go with four-man fronts, uh, I think that's where you're going to get your guys like Ogba and Lawson are going to be on the edge and 
judging by the amount of money that they spent on those guys, I would say that we're probably going to see more of those even fronts than we will the odd fronts. So maybe a lot of four, two, five and sprinkle in some four, three and then sprinkle in some three, four and sprinkle in some three, three, five. The key is, is that by getting all of these versatile pieces, you're going to get uh, a defense that can play multiple different formations and beat you in different ways. And so that's exciting to see. And I think Raekwon Davis becomes a main cog in that if he lives up to the potential. Now, the the next guy that I looked at, I circled back around and I went to the first round. Um, this was... Look, everybody was just coming coming down from the high. Like we took Tua at number five. We didn't have to trade up to get him. And we're like, all right, let's let's go get an offensive lineman. Let's keep knocking this draft out of the park. And it was not a surprise that the Dolphins took an offensive tackle at 18, but it was a bit of a surprise who they took. I was in the uh well we'll we'll get to what I wanted them to do later because it involves uh, a question that we received on Twitter that I'm going to address but the the main four the 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 consensus top 4 offensive tackles all went in the top 13 picks and then at 18 I think most people thought that the Dolphins, if they were going to go tackle, most people had Josh Jones out of Houston as their next rated offensive tackle, but the Dolphins surprised some people when they took Austin Jackson out of USC. Now, the the word on Austin Jackson, the scouting report on him, was that huge upside, more upside potentially of any of the other tackles left in the draft, but... Maybe, you know, not ready to be a day one left tackle. You know, I read up on him. I got those things. Those things were in my mind when I looked at the 2019 tape. For better or for worse, those things were there. But I said, look, I'm going to listen to those things, but I'm going to try to be as objective as possible when I look at the tape because I want to give you guys, the listeners, my fair, objective opinion about what I saw on tape. And as I was going through the first couple of games, it became very clear what the Dolphins, it became very obvious to me what the Dolphins saw in him. What the Dolphins saw in this guy was a guy that absolutely is a tremendous athlete and has the upside to be, I mean, he looked elite in those, in those first few games in 2019 watching him, uh, granted not against the best competition, but just the, the first thing that struck me was his athleticism. Just really quick out of the drop, you know, on, on pass blocking downs, just quick to just get into his stance, drop back, let the, the edge rusher get into him and hold up on his, on his end. And very rarely did he just not become like a stone wall in those situations. And then on running plays, I was actually more impressed with him on running plays because what was so impressive is watching this guy completely blow up a defensive end at the point of attack and then quickly shed him. And before you know it, he's on to the linebacker. He routinely got to the next level and it's because he is so athletic. He's so fast for a guy of his size. That's really what what struck me about this guy. And that's where you could see the upside is like this guy is just a freak of nature in that he's this big and he's able to move this fast. But then you see against some of the better edge rushers that he faced, uh he faced when he faced Utah, Anai 
uh, a pretty good edge rusher. He, he kind of got, got him, got him a little bit. Um, uh, the guy from, from Notre Dame, whose name is escaping me, uh, at the moment, he, he gave him some rough reps and there was kind of a, uh, kind of a common thread in those edge rushers that gave him problems. And we'll get to the third edge rusher that gave him problems in a, in a, in a second. Cause I know if you, if you know anything about this pick, you know who I'm talking about. But what you saw in those, with those first two guys, whether it was a nigh at Utah or the guy from Notre Dame is that early in the game, those guys would try to, you know, just be the edge rush or just do the bull rush and, and had, you know, basically no avail. They, they weren't able to move him off, but. Guys with nuanced pass rushing techniques and, and moves in their arsenal were able to fool him and were able to get him leaning one way, leaning to the outside, and then a quick spin move to the inside. And what shows up on tape is that one, he's not great at locking on to his blocker. And I guess that's a hand placement thing. Maybe he doesn't have the strongest hands, and that's something that he's going to need to improve at the next level, especially if he's going to start at left tackle. But guys tend to bounce off of him instead of him just locking onto them. And because of that, what you'll see is you'll see a guy kind of bounce off of him and spin onto the inside. And if they're quick enough, Austin Jackson is more fast than he is quick with his lateral quickness, and he you would see him get beat to the inside. Sometimes you'll see him, they'll, they'll go inside, they'll catch him leaning inside, and they'll beat him to the outside with a speed rush because, again, Austin Jackson, what shows up on tape is him being, ex- you know, really exceptionally fast, but not necessarily super quick laterally, and I think that's something... That could pose a problem. Now, the other thing that you need to take into consideration there in watching USC's tape is the style of offense that they play. They play this air raid style and their offensive line strategy was to have wide gaps. And so because of that, there was very often a huge gap in the B gap between Austin Jackson at left tackle, and then the next guy over at left guard. And so that opened that space up. So Austin Jackson was very often really on an island with these edge rushers. And so you got to take that into account because the Dolphins don't have the similar blocking scheme. And so if you do have him next to, especially if you can put a really good left guard next to him, and, you know, if you put together a really good team of offensive linemen and that he doesn't have to worry about that, I think that plays to his strength on the edge. Now, the biggest concern is if you go back and you watch the Holiday Bowl against Iowa, A.J. Epinesa, who, granted, uh, was came into last season as a consensus first-round pick, did drop to the second round, was a guy that I thought the Dolphins could target but he, they, they passed on him early in the second round and then he ended up going to Buffalo, which means we're going to have to play him twice. And AJ Epinesa absolutely had, you know, ate Austin Jackson for lunch. I mean, it was just. 
just just destroyed him. And early and and so I had heard this, and I had never watched the game. I didn't watch the game. I just heard you know all the pundits say, "Oh, AJ Epinesa really dominated Austin Jackson in that game." And so I went in with an open mind. I said, "All right, this is what I'm expecting to see, but let's let's sit down. Let's be objective about this." So I watched the game, and I'm watching the first quarter and the in the first half, and I'm like. Austin Jackson's kind of holding his own versus this guy. You could see he's got his hands full, but he really isn't doing a bad job. There was one play, uh, I believe in the second quarter of the game where it looked like it was a blown assignment and it's unclear as to whether it was Austin Jackson or whether it was supposed to be the guard, but basically no one blocks H.J. Epinesa and they just kind of let him go through the B gap and he gets a sack. Um, and then there was another play where Jackson is blocking him, uh, you know, kind of like what I was saying before, where Jackson's got him on the outside, but he gets him, but Epinesa gets him leaning to the outside, spins to the inside, and gets in the quarterback's face for a pressure and causes an incomplete pass. But really, outside of that, Austin Jackson had a pretty good first half. Then in the second half, though, when USC kind of abandoned the running game and AJ Epinesa really pinned his ears back. I mean, it was a barrage and, and Austin Jackson really had no answer for a guy with the polished skill set that Epinesa had. And maybe this is a thing where it was a learning experience and Austin Jackson will get better at it and then will be more equipped to handle a pass rusher of, of that ilk. But when you draft an offensive tackle in the first round and you're planning on starting him at left tackle, you get kind of nervous watching that and you say, well, he's going to have to face AJ Epinesa twice a year and he's going to have to face other premier edge rushers in this league every single week if he's starting at left tackle. And so if he's unable to handle a guy that, let's face it, went, you know, mid to late second round in this draft, what's he going to look like as a rookie? And I think it's a fair, fair point. And so, that brings me to a question that I will pull up now because I'm totally unprepared, not having this <laughs> at the ready, so to speak. But um, received a tweet from me <laughs> at three kids are a blessing or a blessy on Twitter. And he says, I'm concerned Austin Jackson is a big time project. Can he play year one? Based on what you saw, or were they better trading up to get worse? And uh, what you may have heard after our draft review show, our draft analysis show, is somebody asked the question, if you could do one thing in this draft, if you could change one thing about the Dolphins draft, what would you have changed? And that was actually it. It was the Austin Jackson pick. And I said, I would have been more aggressive to trade up to at 13 where you knew the 49ers were trying to trade back, I would have been more aggressive to get to make sure that I get the franchise left tackle in Tristan Wirfs. And by the way, you saw Tristan Wirfs in that game on the other side looking like an absolute beast against USC. And I do think Tristan Wirfs would have been a major upgrade. And to move up five picks, I don't know. I don't know exactly what we would have had to give up. I know Tampa Bay didn't give up a whole lot to move up only one pick, but I would feel a lot more comfortable about the offensive line going forward uh, had we drafted Tristan Wirfs. And so I do think that Austin Jackson will be a project. I think that 
he may start day one, but I don't think he's going to be given the job. Uh, I think what the Dolphins, again, same thing as they did on the defensive line. What we did on the, on the offensive line was bring in bodies, bring in, you know, we drafted three offensive linemen. Jackson was one of them. The second offensive lineman that we picked, which I will be breaking down on the next episode, was Robert Hunt, who played right tackle. Uh, we also still have Jesse Davis. Uh, we still also have Eric Flowers. Now, I don't think we're going to be playing Eric Flowers at left tackle, but we played Jesse Davis at left tackle last season. And I mean, it's not like he did a very good job, but He's the incumbent, and I think they're going to say to Austin Jackson, we want you to be the left tackle to this team, but we're going to make you earn it. And I also think if he doesn't beat out Jesse Davis, that does not necessarily mean that he doesn't get, doesn't, doesn't get a job on the offensive line because left guard is also up for grabs. So whether it's Michael Dieter, whether that's Eric Flowers, whether that's Shaq Calhoun, uh, who, whoever that might be, or Kindley, who we got from, from Georgia later in the draft, who I'll be breaking down in a couple weeks. There are options there and there is competition. And I think that Austin Jackson will get a crack at being the left tackle, but may start at guard, you know, or may be the swing tackle. Um, it, it all depends what he's able to do in camp. When this camp, you know, opens up, which hopefully it will, uh, if, you know, the things with this pandemic, uh, settle down and, and we don't see a huge spike, then everything should be opening on time and, or, or at least with, you know, reasonably on time or not just, you know, not more than a couple weeks late and, uh, we can get a good feel for, for what these what these guys can do because the Dolphins brought in a lot of guys on that offensive line and I think they're going to play their best five and if Austin Jackson is one of their best five which you'd hope because he was a first round pick then so be it but the other thing to remember well there's two things really to remember number one when you draft you you don't draft saying what do I need this year (laughs) <laughs> you should be drafting on what players project to be three, four, five years down the line because you want to draft. It doesn't matter what I, I mean, unless you're trying to win a title this year, which the Dolphins are not, then it doesn't really matter how good he is next year. What matters is how good he is the following year and the following year and the following year and that he progresses and that he ultimately, if look, if he doesn't play a down, in his first season, but three years down the road, he's a Pro Bowl left tackle. Nobody's going to care that he didn't play in his first season. It's about upside and it's about getting him to reach his full potential. And he, I think he has more potential than probably anybody on that Dolphins offensive line. But that said, I do think he's going to be a project. I, I hope that he will beat out Jesse Davis because if he can beat out Jesse Davis, it gives us an extra chip. <laughs> to play with. It gives us, all right, well, now just, now we've got Jesse Davis. We could move Jesse Davis to left guard. We could move Jesse Davis to right tackle if Robert Hunt doesn't work out or if he gets injured. We now have depth and versatility on the offensive line, much as we have on the defensive line. So that's my breakdown of Raekwon Davis and Austin Jackson. I've already begun looking at film at Noah Igbenogany, which is very exciting. Uh, because he's an exciting player to, to, to both watch and follow based on the, 
what he gave up in college, or rather the lack thereof because of his prowess in man press and all the things that that will enable the Dolphins to do if they have a third excellent cornerback that can play man press. I mean... I mean the the it, what the advantage that that would give Miami is just incredible. But I'll be breaking. I'll continue to break down his film, and in the next episode, it will be Noah Igbenogany and Robert Hunt. So if you like what I'm doing here, let let me know at tweet at me at, at Aaron the Brain. Tweet at me at uh, same old Dolphins. Uh, let Josh you know at Amplified to Rock know that you know hey we we really love what Aaron's doing maybe you can get in on this and we, obviously we miss having Josh I miss having Josh to like bounce things off of and kind of steer the show and be the captain of the show because I tend to go off on way more tangents than he does and he kind of reels me back in but obviously he's got his uh hands full with with a second baby right now and uh having everybody in the house he doesn't always have uh, a lot of time and so he'll be back you know, when the season starts, but, but anyway, let, let Josh know if you like what I'm doing, or if you don't like what I'm doing, let me know, you know, let, let us know at same old dolphins, let, let, let Josh know at amplified to rock, let, let all the guys at dolphinstalk.com know what you think about the podcast and uh, give us a follow over on Facebook and on the Instagram page. And until next time, go Dolphins. Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from the-